Yes, hello. Uh, welcome out there. Welcome to the uh, Back to the Slack Line quote of the day edition. Uh, this is our daily uh, short segment. Uh, chatting for about uh, 20, 30 minutes on some quotes. Uh, you are here with the boss. The boss, boss. is coming! That's a made-up dumb f***ing fairytale name, you f***ing... Uh, yeah, we're just talking about maybe some famous things, maybe some things we hear uh, just on the street and uh and uh trying to bring some different perspectives to things uh we uh we are still rocking our our weekly episodes on the weekend there will be a new one out on sunday with uh jordan vasquez and ken dressin uh from uh and pitching their new film mailman uh, i'll be coming out pretty soon i've seen some first cuts and it's pretty hilarious um we are we are sponsored today by uh Nick's chronological travel device. Um wait, uh Greg is is that just like the time machine? Greg is is my producer. He's he's the one that's uh organizing these advertisers. Um Greg uh Nick's chronological travel device. Uh, uh, all right, as long as they're paying for it. Uh back from the grave to help save. Uh, try out Nick's chronological travel device. Uh, sounds like it's a fun ride. Uh, yeah, and uh, they that brings us to uh, to today's quote, a quote by uh, a young man uh, named Samuel Johnson. And I want to talk about this Samuel Johnson guy for a second. Uh, <laughs> I looked into him. He's it's, he's actually got some funny stuff about him. Um, first of all, he's the the subject of of a very famous meme. Uh, I'll post it with it. You'll definitely recognize uh, him as a man who is looking confused at a book and then uh, a painting of a man uh, looking confused at a book and then uh, to direct to the painter, I suppose, uh, with a look of, of an ill stomach ache. Um, but he uh, he was a writer and, uh, uh, you know, a poet and essayist, um, a literary critic. Uh, and something I, I went to go look through his, uh, his works and, uh, something very interesting came up. Uh, he, uh, he wrote a dictionary of the English language. Uh, like he wrote the dictionary, Samuel Johnson. Uh, and it's funny to, to look through his major works there. There's titles, uh, you know, they're divided into, into segments uh, essays, pamphlets, periodicals, and sermons, poetry, biographies, criticism, novellas, and dictionary. <laughs> uh, and under dictionary, just a dictionary of the English language. But under essays, pamphlets, periodicals, and sermons, a plan for a dictionary <laughs> of the English language. Uh, so yeah, this guy knew about his words. That brings us to uh, to today's quote. Um People are generally idle and ready to satisfy themselves and intimidate the industry of others by calling that impossible, which is only difficult. This is, uh, this is an interesting quote to me. Uh, it really hits home with, with kind of uh, some of my thoughts on, on just the idea of what impossibility is. Um, I mean, something like uh, a device that could wirelessly link you to a global network of information uh, that is constantly being updated with humanity's uh, up-to-the-date knowledge uh, that 
you could carry around in your pocket would seem like a laughable impossibility to even my parents, you know, as like uh, <laughs> as uh, as kids or even adults, you know, in like the 80s. Uh, you know, that's science fiction stuff. And now 20, 30 years later, it's, it's in our pockets. So, um, the idea of something being impossible to me, uh, is, is, is a shut door automatically. I don't, I don't understand why people even really, uh, use the word, um, to describe things that aren't impossible. I, I mean, as far as like from a social context, um, I think this type of, this type of mentality has really held people back, you know, uh, not, not people individually, people as a whole, uh, our species as a whole. Um, we kind of have a history of, of bullying, uh, and demeaning people that come to the table with interesting and new ideas. Um, especially if they're, they're things that seem kind of crazy. Uh, we like to, to, flaunt sort of an entrepreneurial spirit especially in north america and especially in america uh but uh you know that that seems to only really apply to like new ways to do business versus new ways to uh to do anything uh new ways to to filter water new ways to um to uh to provide energy and stuff like that you know uh unless it it can fit into a profit structure that we've already set up uh, people have no interest or overall there's i wouldn't say no interest but there are a lot large forces uh working against uh making what you know are very possible ideas a reality uh and because people are like consider them impossible like the idea that we can power our whole society, power our whole society on, uh, on renewable energy. I remember people talking about it, not even, you know, a decade ago and oh, it's just impossible. Like we just won't be able to do it. And it, that and that's bullshit. Like it is possible. Uh, you know, and, and we, we get, we get caught in this desire for harmony uh, versus realistic appraisal uh, of alternatives, um, which is uh, which is kind of what happens when groupthink compounds upon itself, and and people just go, well, well, you know, this is this is how things are. This is the way it is, and uh, it would be inconvenient. It would disrupt harmony, relative harmony, anyways. Uh, uh, to change it, and so we ignore alternatives to to the way we we sort of do things and i feel like it is a uh kind of a growing problem throughout history like there there were points in history where uh major cities like whole cities were were uprooted in favor of putting in completely new infrastructure uh, because it was working better, uh, stuff like uprooting gas systems in favor of, of, uh, wired electricity, uh, stuff like building subway systems in, in New York city and in London, like those places underwent, uh, you know, short periods of very, uh, shitty circumstances <laughs> as their city was torn apart. Uh, 
in order to make it overall better. And uh, I don't see why we can't really apply that same sort of thinking to uh, to stuff that like like a uh, like an alternative energy or s uh, other things that we consider to be uh, considered to be impossible. Um, so like if we look at the first part of the quote, people are generally idle. Actually, it's men are generally idle. Uh, again, I changed it. Fuck you, anti PC or whatever. It's just like, you know, whatever. Uh, people are generally idle and ready to satisfy themselves. Uh, and so in that statement, we have uh, kind of an implied laziness of people and uh and that they will kind of seek the uh lowest point of effort to get uh you know satisfactory needs met but not only that uh not only is there this laziness uh there's a, a propensity to intimidate the industry of others by calling that impossible which is only difficult and to me that that kind of stems from a few different things like it, it it stems from either a response to fear uh because they uh you know they fear a new idea they fear the change that comes along with it they fear uh potential repercussions from using it they fear uh just new things that they don't understand or to assert you know a weird dominance to see to see when somebody uh, is better than you, is more intelligent than you, and then kind of getting into a a bully sort of uh, mode and just being like, mm, no, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right. Even being proven, even when people are proven wrong time and time again, just like digging their feet into the sand, uh, you know, we're still arguing about stuff like climate change and things, you know, it's just, it, it's ludicrous and... and uh, I don't understand where that comes from uh, as far as, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I've had, like, we've probably all had moments of, you know, pride getting the best of us. But to to deny, like, simple facts of life, uh, of nature and science, uh, because you want to feel smarter is it, it, just, like, it's it's insanity to me. It's absolute insanity. Um, and, and yeah, we've kind of punched these people down throughout history. People like Tesla, people like Einstein, uh, you know, scientists of the 1700s that were, that were working to discover, to fight against, you know, religious ideas, basically of, of the, you know, the basis of the origins of, of the world and the universe. And, uh, they've always been fought against and it, it, for, for some strange, some strange reason, we're just like fighting this new knowledge uh, because, you know, a lot of the times initially it sounds crazy. And uh, I think it could be a lesson that we could really learn to uh, to listen to people without their ideas. Um, you know, I, I read an interesting definition of creativity this morning, uh, thanks to Crash Course, as I uh, uh, went through this subject a little bit. Uh, creativity is the ability to prove... Creativity is the ability to produce ideas that are both novel and valuable. And, and I found that really interesting because it's true. Like when you uh, when we think about creativity, we think about things that are both, you know, story based, things that are out there, things that are wild. But 
you know, we also get value from people that are thinking outside the box. And, you know, it's not necessarily that their ideas are right all the time, but it can take you off on a different track. I have a friend who was talking about their boss and and how uh, how they had this uh, this researcher that they were working with. And, uh, you know, they had this researcher in uh, into uh, talk with uh, some business types and um, they're talking about science experiments and things like that. And they, uh, this, this researcher, he's a little out there. Like, like my friend admitted, like, yeah, you know, I like this guy, but you know, he says weird things sometimes, you know, he sits alone in a lab all day. Like sometimes he his you know, that's what he's built for. And, uh, they're talking on, on a speakerphone with this guy and, you know, uh, the guy says something kind of out there and in front of all of his colleagues and everything, his boss just totally dismisses and demeans his idea, uh, that maybe it was a little bit weird um and just like and then insults the kid's intelligence says like something to the effect of well you can see uh see what type of uh what type of brain power we're dealing with on our end you know and like something like that is some is enough to really crush somebody's spirit uh and intellectually and creatively because you know they they think oh yeah maybe my idea was weird but, you know, and maybe it was weird, but the thing is, is it, it, it's not that that idea might be right. It's that it might take you off into a different direction. Maybe that's not right, but maybe, uh, maybe another person could be like, wait, what do you mean? Uh, so, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Why do you think that way? Uh, and then you can get to the root of what that person is thinking and maybe try to solve a problem that you might not see. Or or have a solution for an issue that that you might not see. Uh, so I think you know when we're, when we're looking at these types of people, instead of calling them crazy or or even stupid, uh, you know, uh, we should be asking, "Tell me, show me, like let let me see what you're working on," because it sounds like something I've never even heard of. Like that to me would be more interesting than than anything. So uh, yeah, I don't really understand this propensity to to knock down uh, people that are working on new and different things. When we think about people throughout history that have, uh, have had great effects on, on our futures, uh, some of them unknowingly, somebody like a Nikola Tesla who died in like poverty and ridicule. Uh, it, and he was one of the greatest geniuses of, of our, of our uh, species. Like it, it is, it makes, it's so sad to look back on and think about how uh how much different uh humanity could have been if uh if we had just listened to people like him off the bat and and, and like diverted resources into what they're looking at uh in order to 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 prop them up um you know even even our fictional heroes even our fictional heroes have these these things to them people like sherlock holmes or or like a Batman, like, uh, you know, th- they're, they're weird people. They have social issues and they have uh, psychological issues, uh, but they're geniuses and they're our heroes. They're people we idolize, but we, we don't take that lesson for ourselves. It's an interesting thing. Um, there's uh, an experiment called the Robber's Cave Experiment uh, in 1961 where, where they had these kids, uh, 11-year-old kids who uh who uh all boys who were at a summer camp and and uh they were you know given some a bunch of tasks to do 12 11 year old boys they had fun they grew together 
uh, for a couple of days and, uh, and and enjoyed each other's company and became you know very close friends very quickly. And uh, then they found out they were sharing their space uh, with a group of people, a group of kids uh, exactly like them who had been doing the exact same thing, only on like the other side of this park. And, uh, you know, they immediately became rivals. They immediately became enemies and they wanted to have a contest for who actually owned the park. Uh, the counselors who were actually the psychologists uh, actually, you know, of course, they agreed to, to have these competitions. And it descended to like fighting and 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 raiding and, and stuff like that, uh, until they were given a shift where they had uh, they had uh, they'd been given they were given tasks that they had to overcome together. Like they had no choice but to work together uh, in order to complete certain things. And then and then again, very quickly, the the camaraderie changed and everybody became friends. So, um, it. it you know, I think again, like <laughs> a great lesson can be learned from from kids there, where uh, they they immediately uh, adapt themselves to a situation in which they need to work together. They put aside differences and work together because they care more about this task. And uh, we've been given uh, these types of tasks in our history. Uh, especially now, something that is, you know, actually like a threat to sur to our to our survival, uh, and we were refusing to address it. You know, uh, seventy years have gone by. More, uh, I think, the first warnings of of uh, of uh, climate change and and CO two concentration were the early nineteen hundreds. Like we've been we've been tracking this stuff for a long time, and uh, and have re been refusing to address it. Uh, and when, uh, when kids can see a problem, <laughs> they, they can change their behavior within a few days. You know, it, I don't, it, it's weird to think why in individually and in small groups, we can, uh, we, these like kind of psychological constructs hold true. Uh, but when, when they get applied to like the larger scope of humanity and the 7 billion people on the planet, um, are applying the same psychological uh, tendencies, I guess, in, uh, but within their their own groups and pushing against each other and getting into what's called a social trap uh, when, like, conflicting parties uh, are rationally pursuing uh, self-interest. Some of that self-interest can be rooted in uh, altruistic interest, like, a, like an alternative energy scenario. Uh, that is their self-interest. Uh, but to mutually destructive behavior where you get more rooted in in fighting for your idea than uh, than cooperation with the other party uh, or we're, we're afflicted with a mass bystander effect where everybody's just kind of waiting for somebody else to uh, to do it. Everybody's just kind of waiting for somebody else to invent the, the miracle technology that's going to save us um, and and it may never happen. Uh, because a bunch of people that have the maybe the capacity to help um, are either are either uh, apathetic to it or actively working against it. I kind of want to bring it back to the idea of impossible because a lot of apathy is built around people thinking something is impossible, and I and and like I said before, I don't really. I don't really count anything as impossible until it's been shown to be like, nope, this is this is the fact on this. 
even something like uh, uh, God creating the universe, like we kn- we know everything we need we know about our universe, but outside of before the Big Bang, we don't know if that was like God's fucking fart. Like I don't know, and and I'm not gonna say that it wasn't uh, until. I mean, like, I'm not saying that I believe in God in that scenario. I'm not saying that it's not anything, you know? Like, if somebody wants to tell me that they believe that before the Big Bang or we're just in, like, a fucking bubble uh, in somebody's bathtub or something like that, like, okay. If that's what you w- if that's what you think before the Big Bang, then fine. As long as you're also rooted in this reality of our universe and, and the distances involved in it and stuff like that, that's great. Um, but, uh, as far as impossibility goes, um, you know, the idea of something like time travel, the idea of something like, like, uh, you know, giving each other, giving people superpowers and things like those things we've been trying to do them. And, and some of them things, some of those things are getting pretty fucking close, uh, you know, genetic therapy and things, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that eventually we'll be manipulating people's genes to give people uh you know the best physiques possible and that type of thing and and eventually you know playing with each playing with our our brains and and figuring out you know how to how to manipulate and make ourselves as smart as possible live as long as possible maybe merging of technology and biology like uh i i think those things are certainties something like like uh like uh, telepathy you know, talking to somebody's mind, uh, you know, right now I can do that with my phone. I have to use my fingers, um, but I can send an instant message to anybody anywhere in the world. And, you know, what happens when somebody, when my phone is now something that's implanted into my head, like a Google Glass, but I control it with my 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 brain um you know what's the difference between me now i'm sending you a text message with my thoughts you know what's the difference between that and and uh and a little telepathy so uh i don't really count anything like that as impossible in fact those things like like really really interest me that's probably why i really like science fiction movies and stuff like that um so yeah i mean it kind of plays into the into the creativity thing again like we have to listen to science fiction writers and stuff about not listen to them but but uh, you know look at their ideas and think about how maybe we can apply them uh that's what that's what stuff like science fiction is all about uh and i'm not really any better i mean i'm pretty apathetic towards the whole thing uh (laughs) overall like in my mind i'm not uh in my speech i'm not uh in my actions i mean it's hard to be uh given the way the world is i mean we have to operate within it uh and so yeah you're kind of stuck being this uh not stuck i mean we can all go and live in the woods not all of us i mean there's only (laughs) enough foraging to sustain a few hundred million people i think on the planet but uh you know a few of us can go live in the woods i guess um and uh, and maybe and maybe a few of us should and maybe (laughs) maybe i'm one of the people that should so maybe we'll cut it off there for today uh we've heard my rant uh throw the quote out again it is people are generally idle and ready to satisfy themselves and intimidate the industry of others by calling that impossible which is only difficult that is one samuel johnson and uh that quote brought to you today by uh, nick's chronological travel device 
back from the grave to help save. That is Nick's chronological travel device. Uh, get yours now. I hear it's based on 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 real physics. I hear it's I hear it works. Uh, yeah, we'd like to thank again, as always, Crooked Spies for supplying some of our awesome tunes. Eden uh, Vancouver Dispensaries for providing me with a little bit of inspiration. And everybody that's listening, really appreciate anybody that's tuning in. Uh, And we'll see everybody tomorrow. Have a good day. I'm a man!